0: Welcome back to Rad Dads, a podcast where I, Micah Sherman, interview some of the coolest dads I know who have a big heart for their families and an even bigger love for Jesus. Today's episode is our season finale and Father's Day special, where I have the honor and privilege of interviewing the man of many hats, my dad, John Sherman. Our verse of the episode is brought to you by Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, welcome back to Rad Dads. You are here at our final episode of season one. This is the season finale, uh, Father's Day special, um, where I get to interview my dad. Um, And so uh, we're going to get right into it. Um, John Sherman, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Yeah. Uh, so I know that you've listened to a few of the episodes, Dad. So uh, I give the scouting report, and you can confirm or deny if any of it's true or false. And then uh, we'll get into the questions. Sound sound good? Great. All right. So uh, John Sherman uh, graduated from Biola University, where he played basketball. Um, you also got your master's in divinity there at uh, Talbot. Is that correct? Correct. Uh-huh. Um, you started um, as a youth pastor, um, did some student ministry pastoring, um, also did, and I'm not sure, quite sure the order, but you also did a, a brief stint in the mortgage business. Correct. And then uh, you then later moved to Calvary Church and pastored. A number of different areas, including men's ministry, athletics, and uh, and uh, senior adult ministry. Did I miss any other ministries? Probably college ministry. And college ministry. Okay, cool. So needless to say, you're a man of many hats. That would be true. Many hats. Uh, you are Pastor John. You are Papa John. Uh, Coach John. There's a lot of hats that you wear. And I know a lot of us know you from many different... Um, Versions of those hats. And so I um, thought it would be great to just interview you and, and for those uh, listeners that are tuning in to see a fuller picture of who you are and all, all the hats that you wear. So um, also uh, asked the rest of my siblings if they could describe you in a couple words. I said positive words right, too, right. just to, so they were clear on that, and your wife. Right. And uh, mom said that uh, she would describe you as faithful to God loyal to your family, um, ten- uh, tenacious, and an encourager. Um, and then as far as your kids, uh, they mention you are confident, passionate, a lover of the underdog. I can attest to all of these. Mm-hmm. Wise, consistent, and faithful, um, especially in what you commit to. Determined, and uh, you treasure everyone and 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 things. You, you have... Uh, a lot of things that you're sentimental about, um, so here we go. Okay. Uh, so I'll let you introduce Dad yourself a little bit more, maybe what you're doing now, and then you can maybe describe our family, um, your kids, and where they're at. Okay. Well, I'm 71 years young
1: today. Um, I'm a minister, obviously at this time with senior adults at Calvary Church of Santa Ana. Uh, been married 46 and a half years to my wife Leslie. I have four kids, two boys, two girls. Um, All my children are married. I'm blessed with 12 grandchildren, ages one to eight, and seven live on our street. Uh, I've been at Calvary Church for 61 years, started as a fifth grader. I've worked at four churches. that has already been briefly alluded, a Lutheran church called uh, St. Peter's, a Presbyterian church called Covenant Presbyterian Church of Orange, a church called Anaheim Hills Community Church, which was a Reformed Church <coughs> of America. It's a church plan of the Crystal Cathedral, and then a non-denominational church, which is Calvary Church of St. Anna. <coughs> My life verse, in case you were going to ask me, is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Learned it as a five-year-old, and it's been true till today. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean upon thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path." And I like that verse because if people don't have time to hear the whole length, I just tell them, remember the first line, trust in the Lord, yeah. the last line, and He'll direct your path. And I found that to be true over and over. In case you're going to ask me my two favorite quotes <laughs> of yes. my life, my, the first one I remember probably having in my room at least from sixth grade on. I had it up on the wall. It says, six days of hard labor produce one day of happiness. Whoever doesn't know the sixth will never know the seventh. Mm. And uh, that really talks about work ethic. Uh, My second uh, quote that I've always been impressed with says, Thomas Edison discovered 999 ways Mm. not to make a light bulb work. And that deals with persistence. Mm. And um, lastly, I'm presently writing a book about my life that I never intend to publish. And it will be titled, um, They Said It Couldn't Be Done.
0: That is a great summary of John Sherman right there. Especially if you've been coached with, uh, coached by him or um, if you've uh, played with him in, in sports in any competitive atmosphere. All right, great. Um, so next question comes from Caitlin Rotondo wow. um, in Franklin, Tennessee. I have a couple out-of-state people that have chimed in and have some questions for you. Okay. So here we go. Um, how would you say your upbringing um, being your parents your faith maybe being the youngest of three siblings influence you as a dad today well my first response to that question is it's a good question and it's one i don't think anyone's
1: ever asked until today so here's my best response my parents were very good parents and as the years go by i believe i rate their performance higher each year Uh, i'm one of three children my oldest a so sister is Martha, then a sister Mary, and then myself. We were five years apart. Uh, my parents were not perfect, but they were believers who were committed to living a life that blessed God and blessed their family and friends. Uh, by watching and remembering how I was raised and how my parents dealt with life, spiritual issues, finances, relationship, and ministry, I have a resource to draw upon. For nearly every experience I've ever encountered, my parents' work ethic uh, was second to none, which was passed on to me.
0: Awesome, great response. Um, as I was thinking about cr- good questions for you, Dad, um, there was two. Um, if I'm sure, every, a lot of a lot of kids um, have their parents have certain lines that they always say mantras. Two of yours have been, i have have I told you today that I, and we would have to finish it, that I love you. Yes, dad. We know that you love us. But you would say that all the time. Um, and then another one you would also say is, life isn't always, and then again, we'd have to fill it in, fair. As a kind of a, a tough love, it's life isn't always fair. You got to get used to it. Um, so I don't know if I've ever asked you this question, but did those originate somewhere? Was they, they kind of spur of the moment? Is it, was it you and mom that came up with those or what kind of inspired those lines and in, in your parent parenting? Well,
1: to your credit, uh, no, I don't think anyone has ever asked me about either role. We're on a roll, good. So you're on a roll. Um, in reference to the first one, have I ever uh, told you today I loved you? My parents never told me, um, have I loved you, you know, um, they've never told me that uh, today I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that certainly had an effect. Um, I never doubted my parents loved me. They certainly showed me. um, But they never were verbally or physically uh, in a way that they expressed it. Um, And that doesn't mean it never happened, but it did not ever happen on a regular basis that it made any impression. Mm -hmm. But I did not grow up believing that I was not loved. That was never a question. So to me, I just felt... um, And then there was an individual in my youth group actually my college ministry in 1980 to 82, named Robin Hoynes. And uh, Robin ultimately, um, to the shock of everyone, um, she she was murdered. Wow. And that affected our college group in a significant way. But a contribution she made to my life was, she was the first person I ever remember who really believed in hugging. Hmm. And so that had an effect on me with her, as well as others from that time. And that's kind of a backhanded um, emphasis on um, sure. Have I told you today I love you? Uh, you can say it verbally, or, but you also can also say it in a physical way. and mm-hmm. So that would be tied in. I'd never thought about that until the last couple days. Mm. The second uh, question you asked me: life isn't always fair. Uh, I observed that life isn't fair uh, from an early time in my life. Uh, things that had an effect: I had rheumatic fever uh, when I was in seventh grade. Uh, I was cut from the basketball team that had to do with my career in college, um, losing the first house that I planned on buying. I had a car accident um, early in our marriage, Uh, no major damage, but it still had an effect. Uh, Dealing with Caltrans, trying to take our house through eminent domain. Having our house burned in 2009 was another factor. Uh, Being fired in 1981, did that out of order, sorry about that, (laughs) but that certainly had an effect. So in actually every situation, by getting up after being uh, devastated, um, I discovered a silver lining that benefited me and my family that I could not have planned for or expected because after, the, after feeling like I wasn't treated fairly, by getting up again and just sure. moving on um, based on the direction that I felt God already called me, uh, there was an unbelievable uh, number of successes that happened um, because of that had nothing to do with me directly.
0: I've often talked to my wife, Cosmo, about how any sil- silver lining perspective in my life I believe comes from you and mm-hmm. in uh, a hard situation and looking for those silver linings is, is pretty natural yeah. for my personality um, but I attribute it to you because I, I remember coming to you at certain times and complaining about something and hoping you would just like empathize but it, but it was but look at this look at that and I'm Dad, I know, but, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I just want you to empathize with me. But like I said, I, I think the silver line is, has come from you in that. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you, too, just off of that, you know, like th- there's certain love languages, physical touch, words mm-hmm. of affirmation. Would you say that your words of affirmation, as we've talked about, kind of you being inspired to say, I love you each day to your kids? Never thought about that. I'm not sure I understand your question. The way that you feel loved, most loved, it would it be from somebody coming up, giving you a hug? Would it be somebody saying, John, I love you. Would it be, there's other ones like acts of service sure. or giving you a gift. Do any of those ring more true than the others? Well, it's a question, again,
1: I'm not normally ask, so yeah, right. I, I don't have a canned answer yeah. for you. Um, I think I probably can respond to a variety of ways. Yeah. Uh, I don't find myself ever sitting around saying, I haven't been touched today, sure. or I haven't yeah. been uh, verbally um, confirmed in some yeah, way. Yeah. So I think, um, I think I'm probably encouraged and blessed in multiple ways, sure. not just
0: one. Sure, yeah. And I think everybody in some percentage... You know, yeah. rings true with more on certain yeah. ones or, or not. Great. Um, all right. Uh next question. Uh anybody know anybody that knows the Sherman family knows that we grew up around sports, specifically basketball. I've mentioned on this podcast how a common line in our family was if you wanted to eat, you gotta you gotta play basketball. Uh and so with that thought in mind, uh what would you say um influence you, Dad, in having kind of basketball and team sports be such a large part of our childhood as it was. Well, in the family
1: I grew up with, um, the the driving force was music. Hmm. My mother was a music major, as well as my dad in college. Uh, something I shared with you that is quite hilarious. They were married in 1939, and their very first year of marriage in in, in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. They got up every morning at five o'clock to go down to a radio station and sing the same song for one year to start the radio bible study. Because
0: there, yeah. no right? there was no recordings. There was no recordings
1: until nineteen forty. So for one year they had to be faithful in doing something that could have been unbelievable mundane. And so music was a driving force. My dad also played the violin, my mom played not only piano but organ, the marimba, and uh, she was very, very gifted and talented, started at to the best of my knowledge at age eight and still played at 101. So that was a driving force. Uh, And so everyone in our family obviously uh, was involved in music. My sister is primarily with uh, piano, uh, but my sister also did marimba, Mary, and did very well at that. So my education at age five was uh, starting, actually uh, in five, I started with my mom as a piano teacher. And then age six, we moved to Columbus for six months and I took from a college professor And that didn't go real well, and so basically at that time, my mother moved me into playing um, a valve trombone, and that worked for a small amount. Then she moved me into song leading, and these are things nobody's ever heard on this side of the earth. I wish I could say I have. So anyhow, um, that was mine. But clearly from that time on, uh, athletics was my primary interest, primarily volleyball and basketball. and but really was not shared by the rest of the family in any significant way. So, from that early standpoint, I always believed that athletics um, I felt was a better connector for a family in, in, a, in a family involvement. And so it's been a lifetime. And as I've challenged my children to try different sports, I really didn't ever care which ones they followed. I wanted them to find something they liked, and from there to encourage them to do it. I, and I've shared with my children as they've grown up that uh, it'll have benefit for you now, relationships, friendships, whatever, but it'll also uh, play benefits down the road right. that some of them have already attested to. So.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um. Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, also, so, I, is it true that you have played the comb? I have played the comb for my seniors. <laughs> um, and So I, it actually is an instrument that can be played? An, it an is an actual instrument. Comb. It's
1: played with a wax paper over it. And I did it for my seniors, and it didn't come out as well as I remembered. And all I remember doing it later was I, I didn't have the wax paper correctly on the comb, but I was committed to making a noise come out that was... Unbelievably um, loud, yeah. but it was not the true sound, and most people still have it ringing in their
0: ear. So yeah, I remember my sister Lindsay hearing you play the comb for yes. a senior adult event, yes. and she said it brought her to tears of laughter. Yes, so, that is true. Uh, and then as far as sports go, I mean, I can definitely attest to that in my life the benefits of the social aspect and work ethic and, um, and, uh, and just health overall it, it's been such a benefit to my life um, and just confidence I think I would say as well um, so great all right, well right let's move on uh, you've also been a coach to all of us all of our uh, all of my siblings including myself um, and just out of curiosity yeah again any reason or, or maybe influence why uh, you chose to do that i um, There's many parents that go to games, but not not every parent coaches. Yeah. So any influences there that you decided to coach us? Well, as most parents, I wanted
1: to help my kids, my children, to be individually successful. And I didn't really care what it was, but if they didn't have any ideas, um, as one of my good friends, Ben Strike, has shared years ago, John, John Sherman loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. And so um, if my children didn't have an idea of sure. what they could do, uh, I always had uh, several for them. And so my feeling is that uh, through the athletics, it was a great opportunity to encourage them uh, in a particular sport as a coach. And I also was committed uh, to helping their peers as well. Uh, my wife and I believed years ago that our kids are either going to play at your house or my house. And I'd rather that they play at our house because that way we're able to watch and observe. We always learned more about our kids Mm. through our kids' peers than we ever did from Mm. our kids directly. And so by being involved with their peers athletically, uh, and that would even have some involvement socially, uh, that allowed us to play uh, a significant impact that affected our children. And I Mm -hmm. felt this was the best solution, coaching, in order to meet both of
0: these objectives for my kids and their peers. Sure, yeah. I mean, you definitely were... As a coach, you are involved, (laughs) you have more control there and are able to see those kids that you hopefully want your kids to be around and those that we're going to steer a little bit different direction. Um, And uh, I think, you know, Dad, you being a coach in in all of our lives has been huge and like you said, paving the path if we didn't already know where we were going to go. We at least had somewhere to start with, mm-hmm. until we had an interest or direction we were going to go, and then, um, and then we you know found found that kind of niche or, or influence, and it's helpful to have a parent that starts you somewhere rather than you choose by yourself and let the or let the world and culture direct you where where it wills. So, all right, uh, moving on. You uh, um, you dad also have. Um, had a unique perspective, um, going back, sticking with coaching, on cutting players in youth sports um, that has been very, I think, influential. Can you share what that is and how that started? Uh,
1: my se- senior year in college, I was cut from the varsity basketball team as the only returning senior. I had worked very hard in the summer to be ready and prepared, and uh, I had redshirted one year to make sure that I had this extra year at the end of, of uh, a normal process. So I actually uh, was in college for five years, and I was really excited about my final year. Um, this particular experience uh, caused me to commit to never cut a player in my coaching career. And uh, so, actually, one of the ways it showed up in a more significant way was when Micah, he was in fifth and sixth grade time. He wasn't in both grades, but our basketball team was a fifth and sixth grade combination. Uh, To our shock, 40 kids came out from the team. Mm -hmm. And so, all of a sudden, I was challenged, do I really believe in my philosophy or not? And so, yes, uh, I said, we'll keep all 40. Now, how do you keep 40 when you normally only keep 10 or 12 at the most? Um, I recruited 23 parents to help me coach five different teams. One would be a school team, the other four would be an intramural program that I set up that they would play each other all week long. So they, there was 10 on the team, so I needed a coach, an assistant coach, I needed scorekeepers, I needed refs, I needed a team mom, because I wanted them all to have that experience. Yeah. And so um, in doing that, I shared with the parents I had a vision. And to my shock, uh, the parents contributed $7,000 that year, wow. which was <laughs> quite a while ago. That was to buy new basketball poles so we could have more courts, to line the courts, get equipment, and- uh, Bleachers too. Bleachers, oh, we brought well, in bleachers. two. We bought two <laughs> aluminum bleachers in that amount so that the parents and grandparents had a plate to sit and watch. And uh, it was an unbelievable season. Unbelievably exhausting. But it was interesting when the season was done. Uh, It certainly made an impact, definitely with the parents and grandparents. And I'm hoping it was also beneficial to the kids who might never have had a chance to play on a team apart from that. Um, So looking back, uh, there was 40 kids who were blessed, 23 parents. And I'm convinced 63 people will never forget the experience because it wasn't normal. It was interesting after that. I was a part of a ministry called Sola, Sports Outreach of Los Angeles, and they would do seminars and classes for athletics uh, up at Azusa Pacific. So for at least 10 years, I went up and every year was asked to present this unbelievably crazy idea of not cutting people. And uh, it was just interesting. Occasionally you would find some others who understood the principle and were implementing it, but um, it was a great opportunity to share that it was something out of the norm that could be done that certainly could bless the coach and bless the people who participate. So it's interesting how the Lord oftentimes takes you through something unique that in a sense marks you, but in the process it gives you a ministry that you never would have dreamed otherwise if you hadn't gone through it.
0: And I think about fifth and sixth grade in that time and how, you know, like they're going to be cut at some point, (laughs) whether that's a team or a job. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. But t- at that age of you know fifth and sixth grade to not be cut and have somebody that's champion championing you um, like yourself, Dad, I think I think about and shout out to to Michael Levy. He was mm-hmm. one of those guys that wasn't cut. Um, I think was kind of on, was on the B team, and this was fifth and sixth grade. But you know, years later down the line, he's starting in his varsity basketball games. Mm-hmm. Um, as our as our center, mm-hmm. um, and I believe that your your perspective on not cutting, you know, gave him that opportunity that nobody else would have, and so it's it's worth thinking about and and having conversations about, especially and kind now. of a
1: side uh, point that comes up as you're talking about that when you graduated from a small Christian high school, uh, there was sixty in your graduating class. For the first time ever, thirty of those kids followed you to Calvert Chapel High School. <laughs> Uh, they've never had that kind of a turnout ever before, and I, it's not a matter of patting anyone on the back, but because of the extra investment that yeah. was done in fifth and sixth grade and for the next couple years right. as they continued at Calvary Church School, um, they saw a connection there that... They wouldn't have seen elsewhere, right. and so again, I didn't care whether they went to Calvary Chapel. Mm-hmm. I just hopefully it marked them and encouraged them to play sports in college, mm-hmm. high school, whatever. And uh, but it's interesting sometimes when you do something that's out of the norm, it sometimes has immediate and even long term uh, benefits, right. it, and it did. So, yeah.
0: And and like you said, it wasn't just the students; it was the parents. I yeah. think it was you know you taking the chance to reach out to the parents and yeah. get them involved. But I'm sure no other yeah. uh, grade had more parents involved in a yeah. program like that. And mm-hmm. so all that to say, when you get parents involved, it's such a game changer because everybody's bought in. <laughs> Another side note I hadn't even thought of until you started to talk. Had practically
1: no criticism of our program that year from parents, grandparents, whatever. <laughs> Um, it's also possible they were scared to death of me. Sure. And they were scared to death that if they criticized, they would now
0: be the next scorekeeper. Right. So I'm not really sure, but I think that is a possibility. You reach out and get them involved. Yes. <laughs> Some good healthy fear. All right. So now asking from the perspective of Papa John, all right, because you, you are Papa John to uh, an astounding 12 grandkids uh, thus far... What have you most enjoyed, Dad, about um, grandfatherhood? And maybe what are you looking forward to as they get older? Well, I
1: enjoy seeing what my children think is important um, to emphasize in teaching their individual families. Um, Obviously, there's been lots of memories I have of my own kids raising them. but That doesn't mean that the things that I emphasize, they will. So it's always interesting to watch, so that's something I enjoy. I enjoy seeing how each of my 12 grandchildren so far uh, have different skills and different personalities and how they relate to each other. I look forward to hearing that each grandchild has received Christ as their personal Savior, and several already have made that decision. And I enjoy watching my children train my grandchildren to be loving,
0: responsible, and serving children of God. Awesome. And is your favorite stage when they're a newborn? No. (laughs) Uh,
1: I am not one of them who's pushing to hold the baby. You don't want to just cuddle. The babies, when they're first born, do not naturally fit in my arms. And uh, so uh, I'm more than happy to share that. And uh, actually, uh, I'll play with them and tickle them and wrestle with them at any age. Um, But uh, I probably... Really enjoy them, probably from age two on up,
0: yeah, so. it's been really fun and funny to see how every single one of the twelve grandkids has had a unique um relationship with you as far as that, like is do I need to be afraid of Papa john or or do I go right to him like have mm-hmm. you noticed that mm-hmm. and different ones, some are a little bit more nervous, some are not, yeah. It's been fun to see that. And especially, I think about my son Paxton. Mm-hmm. He was definitely a, a little more uh, weary at first of you, mm-hmm. but now he goes right up to you because he knows that you both like basketball. Mm-hmm. And it's like once you found that one connection point, that's all you need. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, Dad, what are things you hope to continue to instill in your grandkids? Uh, that you did with your own kids, and is there anything that you'd like maybe to do differently? Um,
1: I'd want my grandchildren to know that I always have time uh, to spend with them whenever they would desire it. Uh, I would want them to know that I desire them to always obey God and their parents. Uh, I will do anything to help them maintain focus on God's plan, Uh, whenever they get discouraged. Um, I do know that grandparents have a role that's kind of unique of parents. And in a sense, grandparents on one hand can't do any wrong. So I recognize that's a unique privilege, but it's a real need to be uh, careful on how to use it and not misuse that relationship. So again, I, I believe I will be able to encourage them down the road when they might feel like they don't have any other allies at a particular time of their life. So that hasn't happened yet by any means, obviously. And then the last, I have trust that um, they have learned by my example uh, that God honors and blesses people who have a strong work ethic. Hmm. So those would be, I think, the themes that come to the top in my thinking. Uh, the last line, is there anything you'd like to do differently? Boy, um, that, that I understand the question. I, <laughs> I do not spend much time in my life uh, wishing that I'd done things differently. Sure. It doesn't mean I don't believe I haven't made mistakes as a husband and as as a parent and as a grandfather. But um, if I became aware of something that I'd want to do differently, I would probably feel pretty comfortable to go to that individual Hmm. and tell him I've already talked to the Lord about it and apologize and ask him to forgive me. And I'd feel very comfortable to move on. Um, I'm not one that believes... I'm having tough times today because of how my parents treated me. I don't believe in that at all. Um, It doesn't mean everything's done fair in life, uh, but I do believe God has placed me in the family I'm at. He's placed people in my life that I might like and dislike, teachers, coaches, etc. But I don't think anything like that's ever by chance. Um, If I had a hard situation... I personally believe God's allowed me to have that in order to prepare me for something else down the road. Mm-hmm. So I really believe uh, divine appointments happen in everyone's life. Yeah, It's just whether you're willing to acknowledge it. So right. I understand your question. I'm yeah. afraid I don't have much ammo for you today. That's
0: okay. Oh, Kind of on a similar note, as you think about... Um, Parenting us as kids, were is, is there any significant moments that come to your mind that um, you or maybe you and mom uh, parented one way and then thought, you know what, I'm going to come at, a, at this at a different perspective or a different way um, that come to mind at all? And there might not be. And that could even be dealing with certain of ones of your kids differently um, as opposed to the, all of them the same? I think when you start as a parent, you tend to think you're going to do everything the
1: same. Sure. But once you're in the process of having more than one child, you start recognizing that the next child is not exactly like the sure. first. Yeah. And so there's different ways they respond. Yeah. I don't doubt that the, being the first is probably the hardest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't doubt that being the third has challenges sure. when you have two sisters five and ten years older, um, something I'd never thought about but my wife pointed out, she pointed out that I really was of a different generation than both my sisters mm. and so that creates a different dynamics in many ways being born ten years after my oldest sister um, very much created an only child mentality sure. with yeah. my parents so as I've talked with my sisters they don't remember much of my growing up. Yeah. I remember everything about theirs, and so that's a very strange situation. Yeah. But again, they were moving on in high school, college, when I'm still in elementary, and it was a different world. Um, but there's certainly pluses and minuses of every, every role, and um, so, again, there's things that I did that your mom, for the most part, your mom and I agreed on nearly any of our responses to our kids. We would generally talk with each other, sure. and generally we would have a different perspective initially. But by the time we talked with our child, um, we were in agreement. Or we would even maybe sometimes share that one of us thinks you ought to do this, one mm. thinks that. Yeah. So this is a case where we feel very comfortable. You make the decision. Mm. You're going to please one of us. Right. Yeah. So, But for the most part... Um, I don't really call any major issues unless you have something to bring up today. No, 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 I'm not digging for anything,
0: (laughs) just for anything that comes to mind. And I, I know that all of us siblings being older, younger girls and boys are different. And Mm -hmm. that is, that is parenting is learning that just like you said, that all kids are different and you have to get to know them and see what motivates them the most Mm -hmm. and do things, some things the same and some things adapting it a little bit to each, right. um, kids needs and, and interests and maybe mm-hmm. even work ethic or focus. So, all right. This is another out of state question. It's not on, on your paper. Okay. Um, but I think that you'll appreciate it. Uh, this comes all the way from Aaron McCalmont from wow. Meridian, Idaho. So shout out to Aaron. Uh, And he would like to know, um, how did you raise four kids that are still following the Lord today? Uh, What are a few things you believe were critical, most important, fulfilling Proverbs 22, 6, this is all Aaron, uh, that says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it.
1: Well, first of all, I think this Aaron guy you're talking about, I think he was all everything in volleyball. (laughs) Cal Baptist University. He was a stud. He is a stud. In fact, if I'm not wrong, he actually put the volleyball program on the map. I think he did, yeah. The the publicity was so bad, he had to move to Idaho. That's right. right. So yeah, I now know who you're talking about. Yeah. The first basic question was, how did we? Um, Well, first of all, I think the Lord gets the credit. I believe I've been blessed with grandparents uh, and parents that prayed regularly for myself and my kids that would come someday and so I believe do, God does honor uh, prayer. I believe parents that are together uh, certainly provide some continuity and consistency sure. that others don't have. Yeah. I think um, having a mentality that we were not seeing kids as an extra um, activity or an extra trinket in our life, mm. but a major focus. Uh, when our kids came along, uh, we put many of our personal interests mm-hmm. and hobbies yeah. uh, to the back burner or in the garage and put in the <laughs> And we've done that because the kids are only here for a yes. certain length of time and they and their world their peers were the top priority uh, we bought a house that would allow us to be able to entertain uh, at any time and uh, it was something that our kids uh, came to probably appreciate over time and so our whole life has been structured in in ministry and recognizing that if we're not doing our family right, um, we really have no ministry. Mm -hmm. And so um, our kids have all individually received Christ earlier in their life. Uh, They have individual walks with the Lord. Um, And so because of that, um, I think they've had fewer highs and lows. I do believe that children who are busy have less time to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And my kids uh, did not have time to get in trouble. We haven't even talked about the fact that all my kids... um, learn to work, um, and we're talking about manual labor work, whether it be yard work or housework, whatever. Yeah. From early on, my kids were not given cars. Uh, they all bought their own cars. I showed them how to save the money and how to to actually negotiate and get cars. But, uh, and then when it's come time, a couple of them have even had a chance to do the same principle with a house. So when you've been actively involved, not in coaching just athletics, but coaching your kids for life, um, I believe you're allowing um, there to be less, um, you're not allowing issues to go unresolved long. Mm. Um, you're aware of each other's strengths and weaknesses, sure. and uh, I think as we prayed together as a family, um, and devotions were always a challenge to have with busy schedules, so that if I were to think of something differently, yes, I would like to have seen that be something that was done more systematically, but sometimes it's hard to do. So, um, but spending time with them individually Um, One of the things that um, um, we've talked about, and maybe I've already missed it, was talking about a value. Um, Actually, it's going to come in one of our next questions (laughs) here, so I'll I'll save that. But looking for anything that you could be consistent with your children on um, that brings memories, helps them to see that your priorities are real um, and not ones that are just mentioned on on a particular uh, sheet that you have in your Mm -hmm. office.
0: Yeah, as I think about some of the things that I think you and mom did really well at were, yeah, being involved. You guys always knew and you were involved in some way, whether that was coaching or the classroom or whatnot. You guys did a really good job of that. And having more other um, people who, who knew and loved Jesus who are adults that were involved. Mm-hmm. I can think of a number of people that in our, were in our youth group or teachers, coaches, they loved Jesus and you trusted them. yes, and so they are part of um, that that influence in their lives I think was huge and um, yeah, definitely keeping us busy, I think was a huge one mm-hmm. and, and I and then lastly, I think about our grandma, your mom um, who lived to a hundred and one one, mm-hmm. and she had her prayer list of every kid and grandkid that we knew she was praying every single day. Um, and so like you said, all credit goes to the Lord because, mm-hmm. um, I can think of parents who are great people and love Jesus. And then some, but sometimes some of their kids go take a roundabout way mm-hmm. <laughs> to the Lord. Um, and, you know, trusting in him that he's got a plan for them too. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when they've come to G- to know the Lord, um, at a young age, um, and trusting that he'll, you know, he'll bring them back to, um. So anything else to add? No. Nope. All right. Um, and then, uh, yeah, finally, uh, do you think you could leave us with maybe two or three, uh, maybe as thinking back on some of the other questions, two or three uh, values, most important values or disciplines that um, you felt like were the most helpful in being a parent? And, and can you share that with, uh, with our listeners that are parents tuning in? Okay, Um, I have
1: four. Uh, The first one has to do with calendaring. Uh, And again, many of these scenes dovetail with conversations we've already had earlier today, other questions. Um, Your mom and I made a commitment early on that we would uh, would make an attempt to be at every um, activity that our kids was involved in, whether it be school, academics, or athletics. And uh, as they get older, that becomes a very difficult challenge to do when you have four children. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, one of the, the challenges, particularly if you're in ministry, a lot of times there's things that come up that make it almost impossible to be at activities. Um, but I have found that over the years, one of the secret to me being with my, my children for important events in their life, uh, school or athletics, whatever, was being I always put their schedule on my calendar first. And by doing that, you do that and put your mm-hmm. devotions on your calendar first. Um, you'll always have time for them. But what happens is, um, if you don't, you'll always be you know, apologizing you can't be there. And mm-hmm. so at this point, when something comes up, particularly in a minister's life, uh, I easily could say, I already have an appointment, and it really doesn't matter if it's spending time with the Lord or with mm-hmm. my kids, I would be there. Uh, it makes long, long days But it's wonderful (laughs) at the end of the day to say, I don't have any desire or wished I'd done anything different. So that one was a real key. The second one was spiritual birthdays. Growing up in my life, my parents always told me the most important day in my life was when I received Christ. What's funny is nothing ever happened on my spiritual birthday, so it must not be as important as they say. Mm. Well, I just think they didn't know what to do with it. And so in our case, when our kids received Christ, um, we made a decision early on that that would be a special day. And as a child it's a little easier. As they get older, it's harder to find the time okay. to do it. But um we've acknowledged each of our kids. Joshua's spiritual birthday is October 4th, Lindsay's is September 21st, Caitlin's <laughs> is the 29th of January, and Micah yours is June first. I don't and think
0: you have that written down. No, That's I don't have it mind. down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so it's nice not to have to wonder about it. And again, uh, I wished I could do more. Uh, especially as they get older. So you have to become more creative on how to do it, but uh, to let them know. And it's not only an encouragement to them, but hopefully their families catch the vision for that too, that that's important. And humanly, we need to recognize it. Otherwise people think it must not really be that valuable. Mm. Uh, The third one would be work ethic. In our particular case, uh, when you buy an old house, fixer upper, there's always work to be done. Um, You can pay to have things done uh, from yard work, gardener to professionals. Uh, my feeling was um, it just made more sense for me to do it myself and find ways to break it down in smaller uh, parcels for my kids to be a part of. And uh, as it's turned on long after my kids have left, uh, there's other kids who've come along who've had an opportunity to be hired by me, yep. not only for money, but it's also served for them to learn a worth ethic, which not isn't taught in school today or life.
0: I think yeah. about <coughs> Bryce Sergowski or Stephen Path, ...coming home and you saying, hey, I got a got a fun activity to do. And they come home and they think, oh, no, no, <laughs> Coach John's got, a, got some, uh, a pile of dirt to move <laughs> that we're going to be a part of. But they got to be a part of it and it made a memory. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: And then the last one would be scripture memory. I was fortunate that my parents provided me a private education. So most of my early years was with a Lutheran school. And the Lutherans do an unbelievably great job of memorization. Uh, every day, starting from, to my re- best remembrance, from first grade on, you'd have possibly half a page or a page of the catechism you had to memorize that mm-hmm. you had to give. And when you start that young, you're shocked at what a young mind can learn, sure. especially yeah. when it's trained. And so as far as scripture memory verses, etc., cetera, um, that has just been a lifetime blessing. Uh, it's easier to learn when you're younger. Um, when people say they can't learn older, they're they're... Yeah. they're, they're They're not correct. Uh, I've had many people tell me I can't learn, and I say, well, give me your phone number and we'll talk about it later. (laughs) And they'll give me their phone number, I say, wait a minute, how'd you learn that? Well, they've set their phone number so many times, that's why they remember it. Well, you can do the same thing with scripture. In California, we have lots of stop traffic. You write the verse down, you take it in your car. While you're waiting in stop traffic, you're able to review it. You'd be shocked at how that has an impact on you and when you have that scripture memory, it helps you in your own prayer life. It helps you in counseling. When you don't have to be able to look it up, you know where it is. And there's a confidence there in your walk with the Lord you wouldn't have otherwise. So to me, those would be the top four that come to my mind today. Yeah.
0: I, I think about, again, back to that fifth and sixth grade season of life. You had us memorize the four spiritual laws and the verses connected with them. And if, if you don't know what the four spiritual laws are, they're four... For um, points to share the gospel, um, the good news of Jesus Christ. And that has stuck with me. And I'm sure it's stuck with the other guys that had, that were a part of that season of life. And so that's been a part um, of my memory. And a quick side note, that was intentional that we did that because
1: the kids were would be such a large group that would be going through it. Um, they wouldn't feel like they're the only people that are being put down for it. But when you have the attention of the kids in one aspect, I didn't want them to leave without something that could have hopefully spiritual benefit. And you don't know which kids, even in a Christian school, that know. So whether they knew Christ before that afterwards, they'll never in in eternity be able to say, boy, I never heard, didn't know. And hopefully somewhere down the road they would benefit or they'll benefit. Uh, by sharing with somebody else something that they'd forgotten that they learned, sure. so uh, that yeah. was intentional to make sure that it was kind of a balancing
0: act with our overemphasis on training our physical uh, basketball skills. That's right, yeah. Uh, and then the last thing I was going to mention with the work ethic was you you have our you have our kids. You got, got your grandkids coming over. Mm-hmm here and there now doing some work and doing chores paxton's always grabbing a rake from you and he doesn't want a a baby rake he wants papa's rake um and so you're you're already continuing that uh work ethic legacy that we very much appreciate as your kids and so thank you thanks for letting me interview you um you mentioned i was your first person that's gotten to interview you so it was a privilege and I could thank you for many, many things, but just want to thank you, dad, for being my dad and doing a great job and continuing to do that with, with myself and um, with, the, with all of your grandkids now, too, and your kids who are in your state and also out of state uh, and getting creative with that. Uh, so thank you very much for let me interview you. And thank you for making the effort. I would never
1: have guessed that any of my kids would have ever uh, made this attempt to do podcasts. <laughs> And so I'm impressed that you would make this a commitment. And as I've heard the other ones, um, there's no question once it's done, uh, everyone benefits. You benefit. Sure. Yeah. The person you're interviewing does. And you never know what influence somebody has sure. on another who says, I'm like that person. I right. wonder if that could be helpful in my life. So totally. I believe it's a, it's a great uh,
0: um, ministry opportunity to stimulate sure. other believers. Sure. Um, Would you mind praying for any listeners, dads, parents, anybody that's listening to uh, this episode? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that uh, today
1: is unique um, because it's in the present. But Father, in my case, um, you've been preparing um, the life experiences in my life for 70 plus years and I thank you, Father. We, we have no idea whether we have one day more to live or whether you're going to allow us to uh, have several more years. But Father, we thank you that uh, we don't need to worry about that. As we've already talked about, Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord and it ends with, and you'll direct our path. Thank you that you've been true to that. And it, again, it doesn't matter our age, uh, doesn't imagine, doesn't, um, it doesn't determine whether male or female or whether um, what our job uh, position is in life. Father, we all need to trust you, and it's wonderful and encouraging, even though we're in unbelievably difficult present and future days. Father, there's nothing going on on this earth or in my life that's a surprise to you. Thank you that you're coming back soon, and we look forward to it, whether it's tonight or whether it's in the next 20 years. Thanks for the chance for us to talk today in your precious
0: name. Amen. Amen. I love living in Cali. That was the season finale. Thank you to all our listeners out there. Hope you have enjoyed all 12 interviews of season one as much as I have. And I leave you with a charge to close us out. Go and grab coffee with someone ask intentional questions that go beyond the surface level and end with praying for each other. One of the enemy's biggest weapons is dividing us. So let's combat that with loving one another and keeping Christ at the center. There are many more dads out there to be interviewed. So I will see you this coming fall for the second season of Rad Dads.